Hey, good morning. It's great to see all of you today. It's great to see those of you who are here in person and all of you joining us online. Thank you so much for participating with us this morning. I don't know if you're online or even in person. This may be your first Sunday with us. It may be your only Sunday with us. Maybe you're passing through. It may be your 40th year of attending this church. Whatever brings you here this morning, we just want to steward this time in a way where we pursue God and where you are moved just a little bit closer to Jesus by uh, being with us today. We've been in a series now for all of the month of August, uh, talking about the plunge. And uh, the sermon series has been based in the book of Ezekiel. You can be turning to Ezekiel chapter 37 right now. Uh, And we also had other uh, plunge initiatives, just ways we were trying to call you into connection to the church or really asking you what is that next step in your faith that you need to take to be closer to God, whether it's in a prayer life, the way you study the Bible, a life of service. We should always be asking what is the next step God has for me. Uh, Before we uh, go much further in this message, I want to remind you that the leaders of this church are in the middle or about two-thirds of the way through a 21-day discipleship plunge is what we have called it. It's just 21 days of a, it's almost like a spiritual reset, a spiritual dive that for 21 days we've committed to some pretty intense spiritual disciplines of uh, silence and prayer, repentance and gratitude, reading a a gospel three different times over uh, three weeks, uh, a certain amount of days of fasting, just really trying to reset our hearts and minds because as leaders of this church, we have to commit ourselves to being transformed into the image of Jesus if we want to help other people be transformed. I want to encourage the members of this church. You should know who your personal elder is, and I encourage you for the next week as we finish this 21-day effort to pray over them, encourage them, reach out to them, uh, maybe even ask them what are ways they've encountered God over the this uh, 21-day effort that we are in right now. Uh, I know we have already been standing quite a bit this morning as we sing songs, uh, but I want to invite you as a church in person, and if you can, where you are, you may be driving, it may not be the best time for you to try to stand, but can we stand together as we pray together as a church and as we read the scripture for today? I just want us to stand in solidarity to stand in faith together. So we're going to pray for a moment. If you'll close your eyes, bow your heads. If you want to open your hands where you are just to receive from God as we petition God for a few things, and let's pray together. I want to begin this prayer with us thinking about how global our God is. For God, the verse that most of us have quoted all of our lives, I mean, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. God, you love the entire world. And we think today, we can think about a lot of things happening throughout this world, whether it's the pandemic, things happening in Afghanistan, a flood that was so devastating a few days ago, just a few hours east of us, and now a hurricane about to hit a coast. God, and we just ask right now, we petition you, we boldly pray that your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven, that you will unleash hope upon us, that you will bring peace. God, we pray for you to push back storms that can cause so much devastation. We pray, God, that the pandemic, that you will push it away. We ask right now, God, in the name of Jesus, that any impossibility in our own lives or in this world, that it will bow down to the name of Jesus. And God, I pray for this church today. I pray for the time we have in this worship service, for the baptisms that we were able to experience and celebrate earlier this morning, for baptisms we'll celebrate again here in just a few minutes for ways that we may witness baptisms and remind ourselves of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. God, will you have your way with us today? I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And as we stand together, will you hear Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 through 14. 
This is a vision. Uh, let me just remind you, this is a vision that every year there's a Holocaust Museum uh, memorial that is hosted in Jerusalem. And this is the only passage in the Bible that is read year in and year out. This is a vision that has captivated the hearts, not just of Jews, but of Christians for a number of years. And here it is. The hand of the Lord was on me. This is Ezekiel talking. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And he, he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, only you know, like you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones, like speak to them. And you say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover uh, you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone, and I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, speak to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and, and breath entered them. They came to life, and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. And they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I'll bring you back to the land of Israel. And then you, my people, you will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. And for the reading of the word of God, the whole church said, said, amen. Please be seated. This is what our God does. This is beauty from ashes. This is life from death. There's no impossibility that is too big for God. There's no, there's no obstacle that's too great for our God. The God specializes in bringing dead things back to life. And there are times I think God wants us to ask and to know, like, do you know how much you are in need of God? And sometimes in order to do that, it's like God is saying, do you know? Do you know what it's like without me? And for sometimes, sometimes it's knowing what life is like without God that makes us reach and want to live into what it's like to live life with God. I've had a chance over the years to do some uh, speaking and some uh, discipleship work in jails and in prisons. I was speaking at a prison uh, not too long ago, or a few years ago, I was speaking in this prison, and afterwards a guy came up to me and connected to me, and he asked if I would become his mentor. So for, uh, uh, for a while, I would go in, and I would have one-on-one -on -one sessions with this guy. We would study the Bible, we would talk about life. He didn't have a life sentence, but he was going to be in prison for a while. And it was a couple of years into his sentence, and one day I went and met with him, and he was very depressed because he had just had a, a, a visit from his wife, and his wife had informed him that she was five months pregnant. He had already been in prison well over a year, so you can do the math and know that the baby wasn't his. So he was depressed and just reaching and asking a lot of questions about purpose and hope and worth and and then there was a day, I mean, we had been studying the Bible for a while, and I don't know if you've ever experienced, and I'm assuming you haven't ever experienced a baptism ceremony inside of a prison. 
because you probably haven't been in there. And maybe you'll see him in a documentary one day or something like that. Maybe you'll never be able to experience a, a baptism ceremony in a prison. And not that they matter more to heaven than baptism ceremonies inside of a church or at a river, but there's something really special where there are baptism ceremonies inside of a prison where there are men, and my experience has been in prisons with men, where men walk into a room to be baptized, and sometimes they are chained in, by their wrists and sometimes at their ankles. And there are times they are let out of their chains to go into the waters of baptism, and they come up out of the waters of baptism, and their chains are put back on. And there are times where they enter into the water with their chains as they're baptized into Christ, and they come out a new person. And just the imagery of that there are things that still may try to hold us down, or physical bondage may still be there, but there is this spiritual release and a spiritual freedom that we get to experience because there's nowhere and no place in the world God is not willing and able to invite people into a better story. And to experience my friend come to life in that kind of way. Like there's nowhere, there's no one that God is not going to invite into a better story. In the book of Ezekiel, this is probably 20 years that the people of God have been in exile. They were away from their home. Their homes had been demolished back in Jerusalem. The temple had been destroyed. Now they're in Babylon trying to figure out like what it's going to be like living in this new land. And now this vision comes to Ezekiel. It's a vision of hope, of redemption, of restoration. Now, it's not on the screen, but in your Bible, if you have it open right now, if you look in Ezekiel 36, 37, in Ezekiel 36, God paints this picture of redemption and restoration for all of God's people. And what God says is, after he paints this beautiful picture of redemption, God says, I'm going to let my people ask me to do this for them. Like, there are times where God has redemption out in front of you, restoration in a new way in front of you, and all God wants is, will you ask for it? Like, do you have the faith just to ask for it? And if God makes that request to you today, what is your response going to be? Like, I want you to ask me to do this for you. And in chapter 37, verse 11, I read this just a few moments ago. You have the people of God, and what they are saying is, we feel like hope is lost, it's gone, and not only that, we have been cut off. Because they know that what sent them into exile was how they had defiled the presence of God and their relationship with God, that sin had corrupted everything. So throughout Ezekiel, part of the question that they keep asking is, is it even possible for us to be made clean again? Like with all the things we have done in our life, is it possible for us to be purified and to be clean again? Have you ever asked that in your life? Whether it's before you came to know Jesus or since you've been in relationship with Jesus, there are things you have done in your life and you find yourself asking, can I be, can I be clean again? A few years ago, there was a young man. He invited me to come and walk alongside of him in his life. He had been struggling with a sexual addiction for a few years, and that sexual addiction had hurt a lot of women. It had hurt himself. And he was in a place where he had never surrendered his life to Jesus, and he believed in God. But he was wrestling with, is there a God? Like, can God really forgive me for the things I've done? And if I choose to be baptized, is God just going to reluctantly save me? So he invited me to enter into his life to help walk him through some of this baggage and bondage that he was carrying. 
Yet he was covered with guilt, not really sure what it meant to move forward. So we found ourselves, I found myself with him studying the Bible. And one night, it was around one o'clock in the morning, he was like, man, I am ready. I'm ready to step in. I, I, I need to be baptized. I want to be cleansed. I want my conscience to be made clear. And it was early in the morning that we walked into the waters of baptism. And when he came out of the water, I remember he put his hands in the air. And what he said was, I, I feel clean again. Like, I feel clean. I feel, I feel pure. And I tried to paint this picture for him of a God who invites people into the waters of baptism. And as God invites people into the waters of baptism, it's a reminder that Jesus has already gone all the way under. Jesus didn't go halfway in for us. Jesus went all the way in. And when Jesus chose and was willing to suffer a death on a cross, Jesus didn't die for half of your sins, or 75% of them, or 99% of them. Jesus died for all of them. And the picture I tried to paint for this man was there's a God who invites you in, and though you know that when you come out of the, water, out of the waters of baptism, some of those same temptations you have given into for years are still going to be alive in your life. What you need to know is the same God who invites you into the water is the same God who invites you out of the water to let you know that there is a God who walks with you and God who is for you. So I want to point out just a few things in Ezekiel chapter 37 for you. This is a, you don't get a lot of resurrection language in the Old Testament. This is resurrection language. God's not going to let loss and death get the last word. The way this story begins is it says the hand of the Lord was on Ezekiel. The spirit of the Lord led him, and it led him to uh, right in the middle of a valley. Now, it's a valley of bones. It's a valley of dry bones. And for years, like my, the imagery, because I try to imagine things, I'm sure you do too, is I think about the movie The Lion King when Simba's in the elephant graveyard. I usually have bones everywhere. But I want to help you this morning, whether it's you taking notes or just thinking about this story in the Valley of the Dry Bones, is that this is not a graveyard or a cemetery that's being described in Ezekiel 37. This is a battlefield. So this isn't a graveyard where families had had someone die and they had a funeral for them and then they carried them and there was a graveside and now this was a cemetery. This isn't a valley that was a cemetery. This is a valley that was a battlefield. Cemeteries weren't and usually aren't in valleys. Battles were fought in valleys. Where on both sides would be two people, two groups who were about to fight and then they would meet in the valley and they would fight. And in this vision... Ezekiel finds himself surrounded by not just bones, but dry bones. This is a way of saying, like, the people who died in this battle, there was a side that lost and lost bad. And this didn't happen yesterday, and it didn't happen last week. Like, th th these bodies have been laying there for so long. Now, the, body, the bones are, are they're dry. And as Ezekiel's standing there, the first thing God says is, I want you to prophesy to these bones and and watch what happens. So Ezekiel prophesied. Ezekiel spoke to the bones and the bones start coming together and the tendons are there and there's flesh that's there. And it's, they look alive, but they're not fully alive. There's no breath in them. So Ezekiel prophesied and as he prophesied, they almost were fully alive, but not quite. And I think this was God's way of teaching Ezekiel and it was God's way of using Ezekiel to teach all of the people of God that God is not in the business of making people look like they are alive. God's in the business of bringing people to life. God's not interested in the appearance of life. 
God wants people to come alive. That God's not into making a bunch of spiritual mannequins. People who look like they're, they're alive. People who put on Christian t-shirts and have the bumper sticker. That, that's not it. God is not just trying to tell them that I am putting you back to life, but I'm breathing breath in you. I want to bring you to life in every way imaginable. And when this happens in verse 10, it's described as, some of your versions have a vast multitude. It's not just a vast multitude. This is a vast army. That what God is doing, he's putting together an army. Now, I don't think the imagery here is that God's putting together an army and then calling them out to go and engage in a physical battle. But God is calling together people to bring them back to life, to give them community and to give them assignment and to give them mission. And then in verse 11 through 14, it's an explanation. Here's what this whole vision is about. This is the people of Israel who are far away from home, who feel like hope has been cut off, that they have been cut off, and now God is letting them know, I'm putting you back together. So for them, this was a future hope. But as we read and engage this story today, this isn't just a future hope, this is a present reality for us. This isn't something we have to hope for. This is something you're invited into now. So what Jesus did is Jesus came and walked this earth and then Jesus was obedient all the way to death and on the cross Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world. Not just half your sin or three quarters of your sin or 99% of your sin. Jesus took it all upon himself. And then God has invited you into a life. Uh, Years ago when Casey and I first started dating, the very first uh, movie we ever saw was uh, The Preacher's Wife. And this is a little ironic, because we were sophomores in college, and um, I knew that when I went to college, I knew I, I wanted to be a preacher. Like, I had a plan A. There was no plan B in my life. I wanted to preach. I wanted to help lead a church. I wanted to pastor a church. Like, that was my, that was my heart cry. And it was about halfway through that movie that Casey and I weren't like seriously dating at the time. We were just kind of hanging out. But it got really awkward because we realized, oh my goodness, if this relationship goes much further, this is kind of weird. So we're sitting on a couch, and I'm sure Casey was trying to hold my hand and put her arm around me. And, and true, your mom thought I was irresistible, right? Yeah. <clears throat> And then that next summer, Casey and I ended up working at a church together, and we knew that our experience of working at a church together was either going to speed up this relationship or it was not going to happen. And it was a great summer of working in a church together. And when I chose to propose to her, which was at a lake where we had our first picnic and we had our first dance in the headlights, and I wrote her and sung her the first song or only song I ever wrote her, which was two verses into it. She was like, hey, can you just speak those next two verses? Like, it's, it's beautiful. But uh, I knew I wanted to propose to her at that place, and I got down on a knee, and when I did, the ring was on the preacher's wife, except I changed out Denzel and, and Whitney to where it was casing me. Now, I know that my wife is way more than a preacher's wife. Like, her identity and who she is is so much more than that. But for any relationship, whether it's in a marriage, an employer-employee relationship, or relationship with God, there is an ask, an invitation, and there is a response. And today I don't know what you need to see of God or imagine of God. Because for some of you, what you need to see is God is on his knee, holding out a hand, inviting you into covenant. Covenant. 
For some of you, you may need to see Jesus on a cross reaching out a hand as a way to invite you and to remind you of the power of the cross. For some of you, it may be seeing God sitting at a table, inviting you to a table, which we will be a part of in just a little while. Or maybe for some of you, you need to see the hand of God in the waters of baptism, inviting you to surrender it all. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, here's what you have to do. You need to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. There is a daily death for the people of God in order for us to experience life in God. And today here in just a moment, we're going to have a couple of baptisms. And if there need to be any more, the waters of baptism are open and you are invited today. I want to invite you to see this short little video and then I'm just going to pray for us before we sing a couple of songs. So direct your eyes to the screen. God invites, and what's your response going to be today? I know for some people, you came to faith, or maybe you've heard preachers stand up on stages before and just say, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? And I don't think it's a bad question. I believe in eternity, I believe in a heaven, I believe in a hell. But I think a better question is, if you were to live forever, or if you were to live for many, many more years, what kind of person do you want to be? And I think the Bible asks that kind of question of us. This isn't just about where you want to live when you die. It's that eternity begins now with God. And as God invites us either into the waters of baptism or to reflect upon our baptism, in baptism our decision isn't that I don't want to go to hell so I want to be baptized. It's I want to follow Jesus so I want to be baptized. And maybe today your reflection is to re-up your commitment to Jesus through your baptism. And to know that in baptism, it doesn't come with like a half million sin plan. And then when you hit your quota, you have to re-up. The power of baptism is that it reminds us that the blood of Jesus never runs out. And the voice of God keeps inviting us to deeper places. So however, however God is inviting you today, will you follow? We're going to sing a couple of songs, and as we sing these, you're invited to come. You're invited to respond where you are. If you're with us online and baptism is something you want to do, COVID can't stop you from doing this. If there's any way we can help you, I invite you to reach out to us. Just let us know. We would love to come alongside of you. So church, let's stand together and let's sing a couple of songs of declaration. And feel free to come. <laughs> 